Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. It is good to see everybody's bright and shining faces today as we are here together as God's church. Because it's not the building that is important. We can be anywhere. As long as we are gathered together, we are the church. Before we get started, I just want to introduce myself. Clearly, there are those that didn't know who I am, and some of you may be new, but I am Chaplain Ellis. I'm a part of the team here at Schofield Community Chaplain. I am 121 Infantry's Battalion Chaplain. All right, some of our guys aren't here this morning, evidently. Oh, I hear it. I heard it. Boar, brother, boar. All right. It's good to be here with you guys. And before we get started, we need to do the most important thing, and that's, once again, go to Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you because you alone are worthy to be praised. And without you, I can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things. And I ask that you, again, would cleanse me in this moment, that if there is anything between you and I, that you would move it out of the way, that you would empty me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Speak through me to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jim Taylor, in his sermon series, Currents, tells the following story about his friend, Ralph Milton. One morning, Ralph woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning. None of us have ever done that before. To a noise that sounded like someone repairing a boiler on his roof. Still in his pajamas, he went into the backyard to investigate where he found a woodpecker on the TV antenna. None of us know what those are anymore. Pounding his little brains out on the metal pole. Angry at the little creature that ruined his sleep, Ralph picked up a rock and threw it. The rock sailed over the house and he heard a distant crash as it hit the car. In utter disgust, Ralph took a vicious kick at a clot of dirt only to remember, too late, that he was still in his bare feet. Uncontrolled anger, as Ralph learned, can sometimes be its own reward. We must be careful. Anger can get the better of us. Now, we have been studying a prophet, but this prophet has already dealt with the people, and now God has to deal with with him. Turn with me this morning to Jonah chapter 4. You know where we're going. Jonah chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. What book are we in this morning? Which chapter? Which verse? All right, so we are starting with verse 1, and I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version this morning, and it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. 
So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's a little confusing, isn't it? Because we have Jonah, and he is here, and he is saying some of the same words that God tells Moses in Exodus 34 about who he is. This should be reason for us to rejoice that he is the God that he is. And yet Jonah is whining about it. Jonah is acting like a spoiled brat. How many of you had have ever had a two-year-old? Okay. How many of you have ever had your two-year-old get angry at you for some of the most illogical things in the world? Like not being able to put their fingers in electric sockets. Not being able to touch the stove. Being told no for anything that might harm them. Jonah. This is what he's acting like. This makes zero sense. But Jonah's not thinking logically. He's not thinking rationally because he should know. It's clear that he knows scripture because he quotes a bunch of psalms in his prayer while he's in the belly of the great fish, the whale, whatever we want to call it. He quotes it. And yet, how has he forgotten that God's ways are higher than our ways? We can be really grateful for that. Because we can be vindictive, we can be petty, we can judge people for absolutely no good reason. And yet God is above all of that. He is perfect. Our heart, the, the word of God tells us, is deceitful above one or two things, right? Cheryl's over here helping me out. One or two things. Some things. No, all things. Our heart can lead us astray in a heartbeat. I know you've heard it from up here already before, probably several times. And if you haven't, you know, buckle up. If I'm stepping on your toes, it's not intentional. All right? But, folks, we even use the very scriptures that God gives us to be a light to our path to take us into the darkness. Oh, well, you know, I just feel so good when I'm around her. Forget that I'm married. Forget that I know I shouldn't be encouraging this. Forget that I have devoted myself to God and walking in that light, walking in righteousness. Well, you know, I have this feeling, so it must be okay. You know, I know what God's Word says, but, you know, this is different. I, I'm special. 
We've got to be careful. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. We're, we're, we're talking about anger because Jonah's been angry throughout this whole thing. This is the first time we even hear that he even said a word to God. It looks like he just, God tells him to go, and he goes, oh, I'll go, but I'm going to go that way. So, I want to say that anger in and of itself is not a sin. Is this a shock to anybody? Anybody remember those WWJD bracelets? Every everybody was wearing them everywhere, and you know something would happen, and someone would look at it and think, "Oh, what would what would Jesus do in this moment?" And, and that's a great thing. But sometimes we forget that Jesus also flipped tables. He took whips and chased people out of the temple. This wasn't because he was happy. He was angry. And we know that Jesus lived a perfect life. Amen? He was sinless. But he got angry. Folks, we can get angry. Being angry is not the problem. It's the reason that we're angry and what we do with it that can lead us into sin. We should be slow to get angry, but yet there's some things we can get angry about. I don't know about you. You see how I'm dressed. Big shock. You might be able to guess where I'm from. That's right. Lone Star State, Texas. I'm angry. I've been angry this week. I've been angry because someone took others' lives in their own hands in Uvalde, Texas. We can be angry over that. We see blasphemy going on right in front of us. We can be angry over that. We can be angry at injustice. We can be angry over things that God never intended to have in this world. It's when we're angry because it's something that's inconvenient to us. That's when we're on dangerous ground. Jonah's problem is not that he's angry. It's where his attitude is. Jonah did everything that God told him to do, yet he did not do it with a cheerful heart. His attitude is the problem. His intentions are the problem. We have in the gospel, we have two men, and both of them messed up. Judas sold Christ out for 40 pieces of silver. And when he realized what he did, because there are those that would say that he was trying to force Jesus to overthrow the Romans, to rise up and establish his kingdom on earth. But when he realized it wasn't going to work out, he tried to give the money back. 
And the Bible says he regretted what he did. Now, on the other hand, we have Peter. Peter had been told by Christ that he would deny him, that he would betray him, and there he was in the courtyard, and after denying him the third time, the rooster crows, and Jesus looks at him. And Peter regrets it, and he runs out. The difference between these two men is one regretted that it didn't go the way that he wanted it to, and the other wished he had never done it in the first place. One truly repented, the other never did. And Jesus said that it would be better for Judas if he had never been born. And yet, with Peter, Peter has a conversation with Jesus on the beach, and because of his repentant heart, he is restored. Our attitude is important. The reason that we do what we do makes a difference. There's a big difference between me being up here and me being excited about this opportunity to let God use me with the talents that he has given me in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong, I'll talk about fear in a little bit, but, you know, does anyone know what the, when polled, what the number one fear that people have is? Yes, I heard it. It's public speaking. Number two is death. People would literally rather die than speak in public. I know Matt last week was talking about how this scares him to death. It scares him to come up here and talk. I, I would venture forth to say that everyone on our team actually is scared to death as we're getting up here. Yet we know that God has built us for this. He has called us to this. There is a difference between duty and calling. That can be kind of blurred, especially within our community, as we see duty and calling mixed together, but that's, that's not the case. Duty is something that we do out of a sense of obligation. Oh, well, it's Sunday. We better get up. We better go to church. We're going to sing. Yay. I'm so happy to do this. Calling is praise the Lord. Yeah. He has made me for a time such as this. He has given me a purpose. He has redeemed me and I cannot wait to be with my family to sing His praises and to proclaim His love for us all. There's a big difference. Duty tends to be wearisome. 
It wears us out. Two people can do the very same thing. One gets joy because of their calling. The other gets worn out because this is an obligation. I want to tell you something very encouraging today. God has created each and every one of you unique. He's given you talents. He's given you gifts. He has designed you with a purpose that you may use those talents, that you may use those gifts for his glory and to advance the kingdom of God. What we do for God does not have to be something that we are sitting back going, oh, well, I have to do this again. Well, because, you know, I feel like God told me to do it. That's not the case. God has created you the way he has created you so that you can use those things that you love to do for his glory and honor. And if we're doing that, then everyone should be excited about that time when we come together. It's hard to be anything else when you are called, and brothers and sisters, every one of us, not just me, not just Chaplain Browswell or Chaplain Runnels, all of us have been called by God, or you wouldn't be here. You have heard his calling, or you wouldn't be here this morning. Now, as we're continuing to my second point, looking at verses 4 through 8, it says, Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. God has worked various miracles in this story about Jonah. I mean, we can go down the list. The fact that Jonah, out of disobedience, goes and God brings up a storm. Miracle. The sailors throw him over, and God has prepared a whale to swallow him. That's miraculous. Not only that, though, but Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of this whale. Science would say that's impossible. Guess what? Nothing is impossible with God. Again, miracle. Then the whale spits him out. Maybe not so miraculous, but he's alive. He goes into the city. He proclaims this message, and the people's hearts are torn. They mourn. 
They, they decide to fast. They decide to put on sackcloth. Guys, burlap is not comfortable. No one wants to wear that. But they do it. They don't even feed their animals. They put ashes on their heads to show that they are repentant. And they turn to God. Biggest miracle in the book. Then Jonah goes out to pout. God brings up this plant out of nowhere. Miracle. Brings this worm to come and do what it does. Doesn't sound so miraculous, but God commanded the worm. So, miracle. We have all this going on, and yet Jonah only sees the fact that the people he despises are still alive. Folks, Jonah's like a NASCAR fan at this point. Some of you are laughing because you already know where I'm going. No one watches NASCAR to watch 43 cars to make four left turns 500 times. Some people might go out there because they like the roar of their engines. Some people might go out there for various reasons. But the main reason most people watch NASCAR is to see the wrecks. Jonah wants to see the city go up in flames. That's what he wants. That's what he's hoping for. Despite everything that has happened. Now I want to tell you something that might be a little controversial this morning if we get a nice complaint on this. I'm, I'm okay with that. God was people first before people first was an army program. Because every single one of us, there's none anywhere that this does not apply to. Every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. It's in the book. Look it up. All of us. Not only that, not only are we all created by God, and because we are created by God, He should be able to lay claim to us for that reason as our Heavenly Father. Yet, we have this whole pesky problem of sin. And because of sin, Christ left heaven was clothed in flesh. Then he lived this perfect life serving others. And to top it all off, he takes on our sin. And then he takes on our punishment because he loves us. God loves you and me more than Anyone ever will. And he loves the called and the lost. He pours out the rain on both their fields. The fact that we're alive shows that God loves us, despite the fact that sin is still here. We see evidence of it all the time. That's what went on in Uvalde. That was the product of sin. What happened there is the product of a sin-sick world. 
Some may ask, where was God in that? He was right there weeping as each and every one of those children and those teachers lost their life. He loves everybody. He knows our deepest, darkest secrets, and He still loves us unconditionally. Whether we recognize Him or not, He still loves us. Whether we are called or lost, whether we are in the light or whether we are still in the darkness, whether we are freed by the blood of Christ or we are still in bondage to our sin. He loves us all. Now there's division in this nation. We hear it all the time. And there's various reasons that division takes root. It all boils down to hatred, which stems from one place, fear, and I'll be talking about that a little bit later. But we can be divided by race. We can be divided by our politics. We can be divided by religion. I mean, how many people in here have posted something on Facebook and been unfriended? Because it was not someone's political view, not someone's religious view. Folks, I, I don't mean to tell you something that might be a surprise or shock you today, but we're all different. None of us are the same. We can come from the same DNA and still be different. Because God loves diversity. It's clear. Not even every snowflake is the same. And God knows us better than anyone. But here we have this little thing that happens, this, this plant, and Jonah cares more about the plant dying than the people that he wants to watch destroyed because he has hatred in his heart. Folks, there is no place for discrimination. There is no place for hatred in the family of God. Period. End of statement. It doesn't matter whether it's about race, politics, or religion. We are called to love everyone. And as we're getting to the third point, verse 9 through 11 says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry about even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? If we only love the people that love us back, are we any better than the lost? We are called by Christ. We are called by God, not only to love those that we love, but to love our enemies and to pray for them. 
We are called to walk the extra mile for those that want to oppress us. What holds us back comes down to fear. It is fear that prevents us from doing what we need to do. And often in the Bible, fear and love are on opposite sides. We don't need the fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. We are called to love. Told you earlier that we are all called, and the first thing that we are called to, the most important thing that we are called to, is to love. And when Christ says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, if we look at the context of what he's talking about, it's about love. It's about loving. We are called to love perfectly. And Jesus says that the greatest of commandments is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and that we love our neighbors as ourselves. We started this series by talking about hell. Salvation, brothers and sisters, is the end all. It is a life or death decision and choice. Therefore, the great commission that we find in Matthew 28, by the way, spoiler alert, sermon coming near you, maybe next week. The Great Commission, sharing the gospel to all the world, is the highest expression of love. Brothers and sisters, we have been called by Christ to go into this world to those that are still in bondage to their sin, to let them know that they can be free from their sin, that their pardon has already been paid for, we need to tell them that they are royalty of the universe if they will simply accept it and serve the Prince of Peace. So what are we waiting for? What are we afraid of? Is hatred getting in our way? Let us stand up, put on the armor of God, and get out there and fight for every sinner bought by grace.